From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. Uh, it's Manish and I today, and uh, we're going to do a couple of things. I mean, this is essentially Random Pod uh, V2. Maybe I should do that around. I don't know. Uh, look, uh, version two. We've done a Random Pod once before, and, and really sometimes things get chaotic, and it's good to just just talk about what we talk about, what's what's happening in the marketplace. So we're going to talk about some bear market rally. What, what is bear market? Uh, work from home policies, Facebooks flying off the handle doing something crazy. Um New tech solutions, and uh, what else we got? I guess some merger and, act, uh, merger and acquisition stuff going on. So let's uh, let's jump in for random pod version two. You ready, Manish? Yeah, let's All go. Right. All right. So I'm going to fire one to you. Uh, S&P 500 crossed the 200-day moving average. I mean, is this, does it matter? This good, bad, other? Tell us your thoughts as a portfolio <sighs> manager. Yeah, I mean, every part of me wants to say that it doesn't matter. You know, it's it's a sort of randomly picked number. Um, like who came up with 200 day, you know, I have 40 week, whatever you want to call it, but it does. And there's a lot of systems that are built on this type of moving average. And frankly, historically it's, it's, uh, it's done a good job, you know, reducing risk. So for example, let's look at what happened recently. Uh, let me look at these dates here. 227 is when it first broke, bounced mm-hmm. around and then finally went through on three, five. Uh, 2020 in terms of the S&P and the 200-day moving average. If you had sold, you would have avoided a, a 26% drawdown or a decline from that point, and you would have been happy. But at the same time, now that it's climbing back up, at, at what point do you get back in? Um, and I want to throw this back to you because you know you follow a lot of managers. You know we know a lot of managers that reduced risk and did a good job on the tactical downside. Maybe because of the 200, maybe because of something else, but but now haven't got back in. So do you do it now? You know, like what? that's the position probably a lot of people are in. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's uh, that's the kicker, right? And, and of course, individual advisors do this and sometimes managers do this. I mean, let's face it, nobody's nobody's perfect. Um, but yeah, we've, I've seen a number of managers recently that have, have made their claims to, to be getting out. And, and obviously we're hearing from some of our conversations with advisors that uh, – are are you know looking at the fact that well it doesn't seem to be a clear cut process to get back in and and I think that's the the danger right that individual advise, uh, individual clients face is oh maybe at my gut you and I had a conversation with an advisor one day right but it's this gut feeling well gut feelings can't be repeated unless you're just uh, amazing. Well, to to, to your point, I, this is, I had this conversation so many times. I said, listen, you know, you have to follow a system or, or do nothing. That's to me, the two choices, do nothing, Uh, buy and hold, call it a day or follow a system. And if you're going to sell on an indicator, whatever that indicator is, then you better be ready to buy on it, regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of if the market already jumped 36%. If you got out on a 200 day and that's your system, you better be buying right now. Yeah, my two cents at least. Yeah, no, I think you're right. That's probably honestly, that's probably the simplest explanation I've heard from you like ever on follow a system or do nothing, and and I think it's that's that's a brilliant statement because um, you know you got to if you're changing the guidelines or one of the phrases you like to use is moving the goalposts. If that's what's happening all the time, you're you're never gonna 
have any clue what's going to happen. That leads to more stress and worse emotional decisions. So, all right, right. anything else on that point? No, let's move on to the next topic that I brought on the other day, which I thought was pretty cool, uh, especially given what what we are as a firm. Uh, So a lot of tech companies recently, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Square, came out and announced that they have uh, permanent work for home policies or or the fact that they are going to move towards that, where, listen, you you just don't have to come back to the office at all. (laughs) You can work from home. Part of me is surprised that this didn't happen before. Like, why is a tech company now doing that? Like, you, you guys made all this shit. Like, can't you work from home for the past 10 years? Like, that, that, that's the first thing that hit me. But here's the most interesting part, which I let's unpack this a little bit. I'll throw yeah. this to you. Zuckerberg from Facebook came out and said, if you move from the Bay Area and work from home, your salary will be adjusted. Go. Yeah, that, that I find interesting because... there's so many different ways to look at this. If you're a a regular employee and you think, oh, well, gosh, maybe we like the school system just outside or mom and dad live over there. We'd love them to be closer to the grandkids and not have to, you know, whittle into the city every week to see them. Do you first have to go talk to Facebook and say for, for this zip code, what, what would be my new salary? And how do you determine that? Exactly. How do you determine that? Like median housing, cost of living? Like how do you determine cost of living? Right. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, what I'll call a very major factor, totally separate from, is this the quality person that we want working for us doing the job that they're doing? And I think that's a kind of a scary precedent. I mean, look, I get it. I, I believe me, I totally get it. Um, our mortgage in Kansas for a four-bedroom house was less than we have a, a, a cousin that lived in a little, um, uh, not a, a little studio apartment in downtown San Francisco. Her her rent was more than our four-bedroom house. Well, right? hey, so let, me take, let, me, let me take the other side of this. Let me take the employer side of this. From an employer position, you can't have it both ways. And what I mean by that is, employees come to employers with certain salary demands based on where they live, whether that's San Francisco or New York. And so to hire talent in certain cities, you have to pay more. If that talent now leaves those cities, there's two sides to this. Like, do do our employers still required to pay a big city salary? Uh, Yes and no. I mean, they wouldn't pay you that salary to begin with if San Francisco wasn't so expensive. And so I see both sides of it. It's going to be a real slippery slope how to decide, you know, John goes to Tulsa, you know, and he gets a, you know, 40% haircut and someone else goes to, you know, Illinois and gets something else. It's like that that's going to be the hard part here. But look, from an employer's perspective, I have tended to avoid big cities when looking for hires because frankly, the salary demands are out of reach from what we're willing to pay. So how do you unpack that, the two sides of it? Yeah, I, you know, it's, look, the honorary, the honorary part of me says, well, gosh, do I, I, not me right now, right? But d- d- does part of me say, if I'm a regular person, do I, do I get a great job, move to somewhere? Pretty cool, the idea of getting a job, get a high pay, and knowing that I'm going to turn around and, 
exit stage left and go back where I was. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? Yeah. I mean, I know that sounds a little bit far-fetched, but but seriously, uh, uh, militaries, uh, let's pick on that. So military families would be a good example. You know, the spouse who maybe isn't military gets a job while, while uh, the other spouse is, you know, off to sea, off to whatever, but they're forced to live in a fairly, uh, I'll call it expensive area. And then, oh, well, a couple of years, right? The, the post gets moved. And so the family moves. And the, the, the spouse that was working now is in a, a small town or, yeah. you know, in Oklahoma at a military base. And it's much, much cheaper. I mean, yeah, I just think it's, it's kind of tricky to, to say every time you move... Oh, what the hell would we do as a company? Manish, every time I'm in a different place, you're going to pay me something different? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean you know, honestly, think of yourself the, the, the states, same way. The states you're visiting, I wish I could do that. Um, <laughs> you, you wouldn't make shit anymore. But, uh, yeah, uh, no kidding. Hey, let's, let's move on here. So right. it'll be interesting right. to see what happens. Let's keep, right. in, keep on yeah. track. So, so what else we got? Yeah, so move on to the, the next one. Um, actually, you put some stuff together, which we've looked at a couple of times, and it never really... You know, look, tech concepts come out well before uh, good tech solutions are available. And video and email oh, is yeah, one yeah. of them let's, that you... Uh, let's talk. So, yeah, so let's talk away. about this. I've, I've always, you know, video, we've always been a fan. Now with work from home, everyone needs to get on this bandwagon. One of the things I love is these new tools that allow you to send video email responses. And it, all that really means is you're responding with a regular email that will link to a video. And the cool part is, let's assume you're an advisor and you have a client who said, look, I can't find my tax documents on the login or I can't find my account statement. You have a couple choices. You can pick up the phone, uh, call them and walk them through. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever helped a grandparent do something like this, but it's basically torture. Um, <laughs> number two is you can try to respond in email and type it out, or you can hop on a Zoom call and do a screen share. But... I think a better solution is to just record yourself answering the question with a screen share and then send that to them. And so that way they're looking at a video with your face, it's personal, it's engaging, and you can actually show them on your screen where to go and find what they're looking for. And so we're testing it uh, using uh, Loom as a big product and also uh, Soapbox from Wistia. Now, I just talked to Christopher earlier today and we're going to do a separate podcast about the the, the details okay. there. Um, but I know you were excited about this as well from a sales perspective because y you can quickly pop in and show where things are and, and how to look at things. What do, I mean, is this something that you think everyone is going to be on board with? Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and frankly, you know, what I'm not necessarily going to do maybe quite as many screen shares, uh, but at the same time, the explanation, if you think about from a sales perspective, how many times I say the exact same thing, and this is not at all about becoming a robot or turning it into, you know, art techo. Um, but at the same time, it, it, I do think there is some real value from a marketing perspective to be able to, to do a short video or, or like I said, do a, you know, a screen share included to encapsulate Hey, there's financial planning, or there you can do this. It looks like X, and and you know a brief 15 second, 30 second video. I think this that that's going to be really powerful as we move forward. Again, the world I think, changes. You know, and I, I want data. you to. I think what's going to be cool for you is to demo this for yeah. for advisors because it, it the first response will probably be, you know, that's too much, right? I I can't. But 
once you do your first video and show you know yeah. people how easy it is, I, I think I hope there's adoption, but we'll see. That's you'll probably know better than me. Yeah, well, look, like anything, right? When something first comes out, um, there's always hesitation to, to change for most people. But the reality is, I mean, you just have to do it. And, and oftentimes, this is the result. Maybe right now, you know, I can think of three reasons why it makes sense and three scenarios I might use it. But once it's actually available, <laughs> right? All of a sudden, you're like, oh, and that, and that, and that, and all of a sudden, there's ten things that I'm, yeah. you know, that I'm using. So I, I got, I've got no problem with this. I'm, I've been looking forward to it. Uh, I actually have done in the past a few short videos, and then just made, but I had to make my own image, and put in there, right? Because you couldn't actually put the video, yeah, yeah, a, a link or or whatever. So. You know, it's a little bit more fun that way. Uh, I think having this all in one spot that's easy to create, easy to edit, will be pretty sweet. So, okay. cool. Well, look, uh, moving on here. Uh, Goldman Sachs. Uh, I think it was last year bought United Capital. Everyone yeah. was starting to, you know, talk about how they're uh, getting into the RIA space, and they made their second move recently, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, buying Folio, which, in my experience, was a pretty good tech centric custodian i mean i've had nothing but uh heard nothing but good things about them so what what uh what do you got on this what, what where's your head at with the gold yeah so so a couple of things jump out at me one is uh of course i'm going to add to that not only goldman buying united capital now they're buying the folio piece and then morgan stanley it was, it was only a month or two ago bought e-trade right so the wirehouse is really jumping in um so the two things that stand out to me are one is schwab TDA merger is so much bigger than these couple of smaller mergers that I don't necessarily think there's a direct impact. The concept is there for sure. Like, hey, wait a minute, more uh, as as different other custodians get bigger, ultimately you end up with it's not so bad for Schwab and TDA to come together. I don't think that there's going to be anything get in the way of the Schwab TDA merger. I think it'll go through. I, I really do. Uh, I guess the second thing that I find interesting is that I'll go back to what I said a minute ago. Wirehouses are getting into the game. That should tell you how scared the wirehouses are of their world changing, right? They're going after I mean, it's already, retail it's already advisory. It's, it's, already, it's already changed, right? Like, can mean, you imagine Manish running a, a wirehouse right now? Like, no. It, it, no. So hmm. anyway, but that's, that, that's what really stuck out to me is the Schwab TDA mergers and, you know, a, a multi-trillion dollar deal. These are, are, you know, some 20, 30 billion dollar, 11 billion dollar. These are not huge relative to uh, the Schwab yeah. TDA merger. But still, it was a Barron's article that, that caught my eye and, and, and said what Goldman did may, may, uh, may help this other one. Eh, I don't think there was going to be anything stop it in the first I, place. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's to me as a small business owner, it's just more and more concerning how you know that the big just keep getting bigger, and it's not yeah. just the top five in the S and P like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. You know, in in our space, in an RIA space, in broker dealer space, it's just consolidation, consolidation. Right. At what you know, at some point, people aren't going to want to deal with big companies. But you know, I don't know. You and I can rant on this for twenty five minutes. So let's <laughs> let's just. Uh, move on right now obviously yeah. there's consolidation there'll probably be more you know until people get get sick of uh you know dealing with large corporations so right all right recommendations what do you got this week 
Well, it just so happens you can see a whoops, other side. You can see a little bit in the background as I started to pack up. We're finally leaving Florida, and I've got my my native Titan 10.5 uh, pedal kayak in the back. Uh, it's specifically designed for fishing. You can stand up in it. I tried all the major pedal kayaks, and it is by far the most stable. So you can stand up, flip, turn around you know, pitch into something, whatever, uh, very, very comfortable boat. And, and having the, for anybody who's ever kayaked, that's great. Good upper body workout. I love it. I do have, yeah. uh, do have a paddle, but, uh, it's not unusual for me to go off and, and pedal three, four miles away, do my fishing along the way and three or four miles back. So if you put that into perspective, if you were to try and take a, a paddle and do that, forget the benefits of, of the actual fishing process which there are many uh it's just it's amazing to have the kind of mobility that you get with pedals you can go about twice as fast and certainly much more consistent of course i love to bike I so checked, that makes it easy uh, too. i clicked on the i clicked on the link this is by far the most expensive recommendation i mean this is a <laughs> this is a really elitist elitist recommendation on your end uh it is it is but um the sad part is by the time you deck it out with uh with other things that i may give as recommendations at a later date uh those are almost as much as the boat so i've <laughs> i've had people chuckle when they're like oh that's pretty cool i'd like to do that like well you know that that aluminum bass pro 10 footer yeah you could buy that or you could buy this and deck it out take your pick yeah. okay <laughs> so it's not cheap but all right well my recommendation this week is for a piece of software you we use uh called gusto uh we're in the process of hiring someone hopefully by the time this hits it'll be a done deal and we'll be excited to announce that and so I went through the onboarding process and I used to loathe it. Like you'd have to get all the handbook and everything together and, and, you know, process it. And Gusto has just made it so easy to hop in there and add the prospective person, send an offer letter. Everything's e-signed in there. They automatically assign healthcare benefits, everything. And look, the customer service has, has, uh, not been great at times, which is par for the course for some of these large FinTech companies. Um, but when it does work right, it really simplifies, uh, your life as an employer advisor, whatever you want to, uh, call it. So, so definitely people should check out Gusto. Um, we use them for payroll and healthcare and, and basically everything HR related. So, right. Well, that, that's um, good, especially considering, you know, we have people in several different places throughout the country. And so that, you know, we're, we're probably using it more than what a lot of, you know, let's say your typical advisor He's going to have their their spot with their you know handful of employees or you know whatever right in one location. Um, we're doing different states. We're doing different uh, different guidelines and what have you. So if it works for us, it should work for an individual advisor pretty easy. I think so. Yeah, feel free to reach out if you want any uh, tips. We were with Zenefits before and, and now Gusto. There, there's a bunch of them out there and it's it's reasonably priced. So anyway, okay. that's all I have. Cool. All right, on that note, I guess uh, that sums up the uh, the Random Pod version 2. Thanks, Manish. Thanks. Later. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. 